Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Be Awesome listeners. This is episode 72 of the Be Awesome podcast. And I am really excited to spend the next uh, couple of episodes. Um, we'll weave a couple in and out here, but we've got a couple of good episodes. We obviously did the one on COVID cleaning in schools for you recently. And uh, what I want to do is is really share um, education. You know, what does it look like? What's it going to look like? This has been uncertain times. Lots of people are talking about crazy stuff like homeschooling. Haven't you gotten enough of it over the last three months? I mean, come on. Um, but realistically, you know, there's a lot of options out there. I'm a huge advocate for education altogether. And so uh, I reached out to a, a friend of mine that I really, uh, I look up to, I, I respect a whole lot. And she does something that I did when I was a kid, which I was Montessori uh, learned, as I like to call it. And so this is Miss Tomiko from the Norwood Montessori School. Welcome, Miss Tomiko. Hi, thank you for having me. Happy, happy to have you. And um, you know, one of the interesting things uh, that you and I have talked about in the past is, you know, Montessori has been around for a while. Um, as a matter of fact, why don't you just tell us what Montessori is or what, what it's named after, kind of a little bit of its history, uh, and then we can go from there. So Montessori was developed by a woman doctor um, who, read, who went to university in Italy. And when she was studying for her doctorship in, 19, in 1886, 87, she started really being interested in um, psychology and predominantly how children learned and how they learned differently. And so through her studies, she was able to um, track um, how kids learned. She got became a director of a special ed school, was able to through observations and scientific experiment, figure out how they learned, and developed her theory on education. In um, 1907, she opened her very first Casa de Bambini for underprivileged children in Rome. Over the course of the next year, she opened two other programs um, and continued to grow through there. In 1909, she published her first book on the Montessori method. In three years, it was translated into 10 languages and sold 5,000 copies in English, sold out in, five, in four days. Um, her first school opened in 1911 in the United States, and since then has been going hugely. Today, there's over 5,000 Montessori schools in the United States with over 1 million children attending them. Um, and we have grades, toddlers, they go toddlers all the way through high school, which she became interested in as she learned more and more. So her first program was meant for the little ones for three to seven. And then over the next um, 10 years of her doing things, she developed the next programs all the way up. Um, so, and all through it, she incorporated peace education and how important global peace was and global citizenship was um, to children. And she had, was in five years, she had schools all over, actually five different continents. So she grew very, very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And her methods grew very quickly. Yeah, I, I love the peace part of that, because you guys are all about that. Um, you know, you are, um, these students, when they come in, you know, they learn their pleases and thank yous. They learn, um, you know, your report cards, you know, talk about their manners and how they use silverware and, and the things that they're going to have to do in life, not just how they understand social studies and math and, and English and all those things. Um, one of the interesting things, um, I believe G- Jeff Bezos 
CEO of Amazon was Montessori taught. Um, and I looked, I, I think it's like 50 or 60 of the fortune 100 CEOs went through Montessori learning, if I'm correct. Um, and so this is something that, that, you know, cause when you said, you know, she started with, you know, understanding special education, did a lot of research. This isn't a special education school, this, but this is a very special education that the kids are getting. Um, so, you know, how did you get, how did you, you were, a, you were an educator in, in public, weren't you at one point? Yeah, so I, I spent many years teaching in public. That was my first passion was public education. Um, I do have a background in special ed um, and kind of seemed to be that that's where I was staying. Um, and I come from a line of teachers. That's where we kind of all are. And then through my own child, I learned Montessori mm-hmm. and watched how it benefited everyone. So when it came to United States, it actually was developed and done in 1913 for only privileged and the best educated, the best families. It was something they could do. That's how, when it was brought here in 1913. But since then it has grown to everybody. And I loved as a special educator, how I watched how normal children abs or traditionally learned children blossom so fantastically, but how it really also helped those different learners. Mm-hmm. And it helped level the playing field for all children and showed the bright light, no matter how they learn, where their background was, where they came from, it really opened everybody up fantastically. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Jeff Bezos actually has a foundation that he put um, $1 billion of his own dollars for low-income um, education, for Montessori and low-income areas, because this is what we are finding is that all children, no matter the walk of life, where they come from, they learn fantastically through this because mm-hmm. it's done through grace and courtesy. And we instill in our children that they are our future leaders. And through grace and courtesy, we can learn so much and yep. work together as such a team. Yeah. And that's a, a billion dollars. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good number, Mr. Bezos. Thank you very much. Um, you know, one of the things that you just said though, is, you know, that, 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 that it was when it came to the United States, it was kind of like, selective to the you know the more privileged people to take advantage of one of the things that interests me with your school we'll get into your school is um the importance of inclusion of everyone that's all 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 shapes sizes colors walks of life you know you've made you've made the program um so that it's mainly affordable for 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 many not not for all obviously and to anything tuition based is not affordable for all but you've, you've made it unbelievably affordable compared to other institutions, private institutions um, that, are, that are providing a similar, a similar experience. Um, why'd you do that? Cause you could charge, so, you could charge a lot more, right? <laughs> yes. Everything around me is almost twice my price. Um, so for me, kind of a background in me, like you said, I was a traditional teacher. I started, I worked at a head starts. Um, I worked in our cities. I worked in children who, did not have that were not privileged and I kind of and as a mother of a child who I wanted in there I realized that we that all children deserve an equal education so Norwood Montessori actually was born out of my passion to bring um, diversity and awareness to all so I always say that I wanted parents to be able to afford the best education be able to get the best education for their child without costing them an arm and a leg I felt that all children no matter what, deserve the best education that they could get. It shouldn't be a financial, it shouldn't be 
a racial, it shouldn't be a social economic, it should be a general based education that their family can do. If you can get your child here, I can figure out how to make it happen to the best of my ability. I mean, I do have to pay my staff and my overhead, but I try to be as absolutely affordable as we can be so that everybody can get the best education. Um, and I try never to turn people away when people walk in the door and they come in with their financials or their family background or their IEPs. It doesn't make a difference to me. There's a child there and the child is who deserves the best education. And I make sure my staff agree and are in on that, that we need to provide the best education we can with what we know and the best for the child, no matter what. And that kind of bleeds my head start um, inner city to rich privilege to bring it all together so that everybody is educated to the best because every child deserves that start in life every child just is error and food should be there they should be entitled to a great education no matter what so that's a great way for us to kind of transition into norwood montessori tell us you know the history of norwood montessori how did it come about where are you how long you've been around um I want you to really touch on the one the, there's two, there's two things that really fascinate me. So I'm going to give you, I'll give it to y'all, but there's two things that really fascinate me about your program or about the Montessori program in general. And you know, the, the, the back to this is Montessori isn't for everyone. So, you know, this is something that you guys take very seriously. You go through an application process, you go through a fit process, they go to the school and see how it works for them. Cause some people need that structure of a public school rows of seats you guys don't have desks. Um, you wear slippers during the day. The kids come in and put their slippers on for a number of reasons. Um, one for cleanliness, but I, I always go with comfort. Um, um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 for me, and I cheer up with people that, you know, I, I, the public school system probably wasn't the best fit for me because I wasn't learning at the speed that I needed to, to keep up with others. I just, I just, I just couldn't. It wasn't my thing. I don't know that Montessori was um, my answer. I think it probably would have been more of my answer. I probably would have been there till I was 30 before I could graduate, but that's okay. Um, but, you know, how do you, so I guess my question is going to be, um, let's talk about Norwood Montessori, how you started it, where you are today, and then the program that you have, you know, because people think about grades and they think about, you know, going every year and you're a little bit different. And I think that's something that people would, would really like to understand to see if it's something that they would even consider. Cause it's scary, right? Kid doesn't come home with homework and you go, why don't you have three hours of homework? You know, you're not, maybe you're not doing common core testing or whatever it is. Why aren't they doing that testing? Because the neighbors are, whatever it is that you have to release a lot of what you believe is what you should be doing. So talk about Get right into Norwood Montessori. What are you guys doing and how are you doing it? Because I, I love what you're doing. So I started working for Norwood Montessori in 2007. Um, I grew the program, had 12 part-time children at that point in a different building than we are now. Over the next several years, um, I grew the program. By 2010, we had added a vacation camp, um, summer program. We'd entered an elementary program. We started with um, full day um, and after, by after school and morning program. So we kind of kept growing and growing. 
Um, we got up to the maximum of what could handle, about 24 children by 2014. And I started turning children away. Didn't like that. None of our teachers did, especially when it was a child who did come from a different learning style that this needed to fit. Um, so 2016, I bought the program and we continued to grow. In 2017, we got the building where we're at now. And we went from 24 children to 48 children in five weeks. Um, and we added um, a middle school, high school program and a toddler program. Um, over the next year, by the following September, we started with 64. And this past year, we opened with 85. Um, so we've been growing rapidly. We offer programs for um, children that are a year and a half old, all the way up through we graduated our very first senior this year. So we're super excited. And what's cool is he came in from a traditional program that wasn't quite fitting. Like you said, it doesn't fit every child. Um, and some children do well in that sitting in rows, following orders, taking orders. But a lot of children need to move. They need to learn differently. They need to find their passion. So Montessori is all about finding that child's passion and then helping them build on that and proving to them and showing them that they really can keep learning and keep growing. They just may learn at a different style. We don't do homework. We don't do tests and exams. We want the ch children to learn what is their best style and so our teacher's job is to find the style that works for each individual child and teach to that individual child which means in traditional world we're busy watching the bell curve and making sure the slowest child is keeping up and then we figure if we're doing that the rest of the children are there in Montessori each child is their own unique individual there's no bell curve in classroom overall what there is is figuring out how each child keeps moving forward. And homework doesn't work for all children and it's just regurgitating information. I want them to learn the passion to keep going. And so here we have the senior who graduated who was in public and wasn't gonna graduate and came here and not only did he graduate, he was already within his first year of, year of being here, he started looking at colleges and they didn't even think that was on the chart. By the time he entered his junior year, he started taking classes at college. And so he was enrolled, dual enrolled in college and in high school. This is a child who in public school, they said was never gonna make it. And we see this happen time after time. Children that come here that are not making it in the public, they come here and all of a sudden they're learning. And we've had parents say, well, you fixed it or you got that spark going. And it's not us, it's a Montessori that, that says every child is gifted and talented and bright. And our job as teachers is not to educate them, but to guide them, to mm -hmm. figure out what motivates them and what helps them keep growing. All the testing is done is, is working and figuring out what they regurgitate, but if they can actually show it, instead they're actually showing what they do and the teachers are helping them move along. So I may be that child who's struggling to read, but they learn that passion because the teachers aren't telling them it's wrong. What we're telling them is how to get there. And we show them and we work. So in public school, if they're teaching reading in this way or the new math this way, or the, that may not work for all the children. So our job is to teach them whichever way works best for that child at that moment and to encourage that spark all the time. Yeah, I, lo I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, it, it was going to, as you're saying that, I'm sitting here saying, what does a child miss by going to Montessori opposed to traditional private school or public school, uh, you know, by not doing all this stuff. And one of the things that, you know, I've shared with you 
I think homework for school is a, I think it's a joke. Like I just, I, and I, and I'll say that to anybody. Um, and I don't think it's a joke for anything other than when we get to be adults like you and I, and we go into the business world, we go to these sessions that say work-life balance, work-life balance, work-life balance. There's no such thing as work-life balance. We're going to work a whole lot more than we have life. Um, we, our life is just eight hours of our life is sleeping. According to every mattress manufacturer, we should spend one third of our life um, laying down in a mattress unconscious asleep. Um, we're going to spend a third of our life, a minimum, at a job, even if we're working from home. So there's two thirds right there. So life that's left is one third. And what I think with homework, my own personal opinion, I'm not a psychologist, I don't know any of this stuff, but if a kid goes to school, starting in like second grade now, they're getting homework. But if a kid goes to school for six, eight hours of the day, that's work. They're going and they're doing work. And then you take them home and you go, oh, Johnny or Sally, here's two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours worth of more work. They go through that system through 12 years, 16 years, 20 years. Well, why the heck aren't they going to be working from home? That's all they know what to do. Just in, ingrained in them. And, and I didn't do my fair share of homework, and I still have that. Like, I work 12, 14, 16, 18 hours, and I don't think anything of it. And I think that's because of all of the motions of it. And that's why I, I'm like, hey, let these guys work all day. Let them get their, get their, get their honest aid in. And then give them the time to enjoy life, to place. And, and kids are doing sports. I mean, we talk about all the stresses in life for these kids. Like, are you kidding me? You, you go to school for eight hours. Then you go play a sport for three hours. And then you got to go do homework for three hours. So you got, if you do the math, it's 14, 15 hours, right? Where, where's the bathroom break? Where's the time to enjoy yourself with your friends? Where's the time to socialize? Where's the time to do whatever it is? There's just no time for it. Um, and so I, I love that, that, that that's a piece to it, but it's a hard thing to let go of. And there's lots of research that's now showing that homework up until a 10th grade is actually detrimental to the child. Um, and Alfie Cohen's written some, Daniel Pink has written some. There is, and there's a great movie, Race to Nowhere, Beyond Measure. These are movies that are talking about what is happening to these children that are being homeworked and homeworked to the point that they don't have that outside. And then we're shocked that they have no social emotional, that they're having a hard time connecting. Um, and yet homework, like I said, is showing detrimental till 10th grade. After 10th grade, ball game. Same with testing and exams. Their brain is now developed to that point that they can handle that. But if we were to say to, an, to a person, here, you're going to work eight hours and I'm going to pay you. And then you're going to go home. And for the rule is for kids in school, it's a half hour per every subject. So that's about four to five hours of homework. And we're going to send you home and give you four hours of work now that you're going to do for me and have graded tomorrow, but I'm not going to pay you for this and you're going to be marked on this and then at the end I'm going to give you an exam I think we'd all quit the job but yet we're doing it to our children and then saying you need to grow and that's where so Montessori has never said homework we do not send it we do not have it and that's hard on parents because we grew up in a world where we're tested and every test is showing but if you look Tests from the 1950s when we started testing our children and apparently in America they were one of the top Every time we administer tests, are actually overall grade points are dropping. The overall testing points are dropping. Countries that are saying they have the best um, 
health, mental health and awareness around the world, um, countries that are are like succeeding and doing better are actually getting rid of the homework, they're getting rid of the testing. This is all showing that these help us grow and that children need to, their social emotional development is so much more important. And that's one of the things that Montessori has been following. A lady named Angela Lillard has been following and the social emotional health of our kids that are going through this without the testing, without the homework are actually life altering. She's been able to test this for over 30 years and children that are growing up this way are doing better. As you said, they're showing up in universities. I mean, we have Stephen Curry is a Montessori graduate, the Google founders, Julia Child. And these are all Montessorians that are growing up and we're finding that they're doing better. Their social emotional health is doing better. Their academic, their strive for world is doing better. And they didn't have homework and they didn't have tests. That's hard for us parents to wrap our head around. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of a few. Um, that was tough, especially for the first eight years of my daughter's life who went to Montessori. I quite didn't understand why she didn't have homework, especially as she got closer to the life I was teaching outside. But I got it as I watched her develop. And when she went off to college, she did fine. She is top in her class. She is doing fantastic. She was able to take exams. She's able to do her homework. Not only that, I made at a point not to be make grades an issue with my child because I was trying to follow the Montessori method in the beginning. And then as I got trained in the Montessori method, I got it and I went, okay, grades aren't important. That was important for me growing up. My grades and how well I did in school and how much homework I got done and how my testing went was vitally important. That was the first thing your parents asked you. That was the first thing you talk about at the dinner table. So I had to learn, relearn not to do that with my kids. And what's shocking is they did better. The more I took it away, the better they did. And like I said, I put, she went to college and I kind of went, okay, well, grades do matter now because now you're in a big place. And she did it herself. Those grades became important. And my friends whose kids went through Montessori, same thing. They all ace when they hit college, when you've let them go. Because they develop that innate want, that innate it's internal drive. It's not external of the teacher saying you got an A. A force they thing. Want it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that's an important point for for parents as a whole in any education environment. And it's a it, that's a hard slope. Got a, I got a teenager myself. I got a two year old that I got to figure out what to do with as as I'm getting up in the years. Um, but I, I, that's a that's a hard task for parents to understand, embrace. And try to figure out, no matter what an educational environment they're in, but to try to release the pressures and the forces and build it so that it's something the kids want to do, the kids want to learn. That this is something you can do in public education. This is something you can do in private education, something you can do in Montessori. It takes work. You guys, you, you guys embrace it every day. So when your kids get dropped off there, they're getting that, that environment. But I think it's important for all of us because we put such pressures on our kids. I know I put enormous pressure on Danny, uh, um, and and um, and I see it. I see when I do it, I go, "Oh man, that's too much." I got to back off because we want. I think as parents, we want our kids to succeed so much. Uh, we want them, we want them to succeed more than than they probably want to succeed, and we try to force it on them. Where if we let them and have them find their way and have them find their, their niche or whatever it is. Uh, they do so much, they do so much better as, as a whole. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the last things I want to talk about is 
the learning environment. So your school has how many kids? Um, we are licensed for 80. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and um, we pretty much hold that license pretty solid. Like I said, we are, well, we're licensed for 80 in the primary and we are licensed for 20 in the elementary and we are at 85. So we're holding, we're holding that pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, as we grow every year, that numbers do change. Um, and we are seeing how everything is happening with COVID and what is going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are setting up everything to continue to learn mm-hmm. at the pace that we are and make the adjustments that are necessary. But the lucky thing is, is because we are a small private school, we have the ability that flexing and that keeping everything in, in line with what they need for help, but also in line with what your child needs for that social emotional growth and that mental growth. That right now. And one of the things with that social emotional growth is there's a real focus on making sure that kids' uh, interests and strong suits have have a good focus, right? So if you're really good in math, you get plenty of time to do the math. And one of the things that's interesting is everybody's, again, everybody's not on this level playing field. So if a student is excelling in math and doing a great job and another student isn't, there's opportunities for those that, that student's doing really good in math to help the other student. It's not, it's not a competitive, it's a complementary environment. Um, am I getting that right? Yeah, we never, the children never compete. We don't actually talk about the ages, um, who's where, um, in a lot of things. Everybody works, um, there's always a three-year, and our younger friends, um, we have a three to six. Montessori is designed to be a three-year curriculum uh, with a four-year gift year at some point. So you have zero to three, we don't take one and a half to three. Um, then we have a three to six component. Then you have a six to nine, but for us, we do six to 12 because you have the 10 year old who's working still down or the seven year old who's working up. So we have a six to 12 year old component. Then we have the 12 to 18. This means that the child who's flourishing, and we've even had examples where I'd have a four year old who's doing math at a fifth grade level. And that was absolutely not a problem. We flex to make that happen. And you may have a fifth grader struggling with reading or with math at a first grade level and the teachers will flex the children are taught we don't set up a competitive without grades without testing there's no competition the children are taught to work together as a community and so you'll find the kids that are really strong in one area will help the other children and they could be older or younger and the children work as a team which gets the best out of everyone and because everybody feels positive and reinforced with what they're learning you're open to it so I'm a horrible writer. I have dyslexia. I'm very horrible about it. I think in this environment, I wouldn't be so self-conscious about it mm-hmm. because it's, it's never brought up. It's talked about here when I find students are. The other kids are like, here, let me help you read that. Let me help you write it out. This is how you spell it. It's such a fantastic plan to mm-hmm. teach positive reinforcement to what your life is like and what worlds we all our kids <laughs> We are hugely um, diverse, inclusive, however you want to say it. We have um, a, an incredible amount of children from everywhere. So English is second, third, and fourth language to a lot of our kids. So you'll see a lot of fun where the kids are trying to figure out and help each other figure out the right word. And then they'll work with each other on how to do that. And you, that even comes with the older children. You might see an older child saying, I don't, I don't know what this word is. And it could be because of language. It could be because of learning style. And the other kids will just step in and help. And it's mm-hmm. fantastic. It's such a positive to see 
a fourth grader that was struggling to read, to sit and read to a group of three-year-olds because a, they wanted to practice their reading and a three-year-old wanted that story. Or we yeah. have animals in the school and you see that child who was struggling to read is now sitting and reading to the cats because, well, the cats are non-judgmental. And all of a sudden a four-year-old sits beside them and is helping them and they're reading together and the kids are laughing and they're mm -hmm. enjoying it. When the kids are fighting to come to school, mm -hmm. I have older kids that come to school early. We mm -hmm. open at eight and we close at six. But school is nine to three thirty, and I'll have children that'll show up that are in high school and elementary school, and the parents like, yeah, I'm coming in at eight o'clock. It's not going to be a problem. Well, why do you have somewhere? No, my kid wants to be at school. They asked if they could stay late so they can all hang out and play together. And you have fourteen-year-olds who are hanging out and having fun because they're working together on a story with a ten-year-old, and they're all working together as a team, mm -hmm. and they don't want to go home. They asked to come in. They mm -hmm. asked to be here. I, we've had times where we've done open houses and we've gone somewhere to show the school and all of a sudden a 10-year-old who was struggling with an algebraic equation shows up at the thing, brings her algebra with her because she wants to teach her on a Saturday morning to continue working because she's just figured this out. This is what our school is all about. This is what education is all about. It shouldn't be, oh gosh, that place I have to go. Mm -hmm. It should be, oh, can I get there faster and how? Yeah. Uh, you do have cats at the school. You've got a number of you've got a number of uh, I will call them uh, school pets, uh, which is which is which is very. Um, I think it's I think it takes a little, you know that definitely takes some people probably takes some people off guard when they walk in and all of a sudden um, was one of the names uh, Toulouse right um, when all of a sudden the cat goes strutting by you. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting was when I saw um, when I went and visited you once and there was a, a young you call friend. I'm going to ask you why you call them friends and not students next. Um, but a young friend was, was walking in that didn't have any pets and didn't really know what to do. And you guys showed the proper way to pet a cat and how to approach it or not approach it, which a lot of kids don't have pets and they don't know. And you know, a lot of kids would go and grab the cat by the tail and then get scratched a bit. And then the cat might get hit or whatever. Um, those are just pieces of life that are really cool. The, the one story I'll tell you that I want to share was probably you and I have known each other going on close to 10 years, but going to the school one day and seeing one of my favorite friends. Uh, and I don't think he was five at the time. Uh, Rashab was a Rashab and he's in the parking lot with his teacher. And I, I go and I say, Hey, hey Rashab, how you doing? And he always, he's always very friendly. And he always has something to say. And he says, I'm drawing the solar system. And I go, oh, that's really great. And then Mr. Mike says to me, yeah, but he's drawn it to scale. And I said, excuse me? And he said he scaled the solar system, which he wrote. It was I, I don't know if you ever got a picture of it or not, but he literally chalked out the solar system, where it all fell into everything. And he drew the distance to scale in the parking lot as if it was, so if it was a million miles and a foot, represented a foot, I'm 45 years old. I couldn't have figured that stuff out. Like that is amazing. And he did it on his own. And he was just like, I just watched him learn just so amazingly. Like he was probably at an eighth, eighth level math uh, at the age of five or six. I mean, the, what the kids do is amazing, but why do you call them friends? Because we're all learning together. We're all equal and we're learning together. They're, they're part, we're a community. We're a family. Um, 
student implies so a lot of Montessori schools were called guides not teachers um I'll, we use the word teacher for the grown-ups who don't understand but we are guiding the children and they are our friends so they we go by our names we don't go by mr or mrs with our last name we go by our names because we are all friends and that's the first and foremost base we are friends we are a community and so like friends, we may not always like everything that everybody says. So when I tell you, you can't take that or whatever, but we are friends and we need to be respectful. Everything around here is done with respect. If I say you, I'm the teacher and you're a student, I'm putting me above you. And that is not important because then that sets up a hierarchy that we don't want. So our children, we are all friends. Our 15 year olds are friends with our two year olds mm -hmm. and we are friends and we work with each other as that because then it's not scary when you tell your friend something and you do something wrong, it's not as scary as having to tell that grown up that a person in authority. And we don't want to be that. Obviously we're going to be there if they need the safety measures and we do all the safe protocol, but in general, the children should feel like we are their friend first and foremost, and we're going to help them learn. Mm -hmm. We're the big friend. We got the right answers. And if I don't, this year we actually, Josh had a kid who was trying to, to cube 13s and 14s who was four years old and there was no thought when he picked up his stuff because the teacher couldn't answer how to cube a 13 <laughs> number the number 13 in her classroom because simply we don't have that material in the four-year-old three to six-year-old classroom he picked it up and walked down to the high school room and sat down with a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds mm -hmm. and had them help him and had the teacher and the teacher never even flinches mm -hmm. they're friends and the kids know that the other kids, no matter how big they are, you know, you go to the school and the big sixth graders are going to pick on the first graders. It doesn't happen. We're all friends in a community. Mm -hmm. It's all done through respect and things. And as for those kitty cats, they've been here since they're six weeks old. They are so friendly. The kids mm -hmm. can pretty much do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and the cats are like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, those are some those are some lackadaisical cool cats. Um, no, you know, one of the things, like you say, there was a couple things. Um you know, everybody talks about bullying and there's, there, there's, well, there's no room for it. I mean, it's small space. Yeah. You, have two, you have two buildings. Um, what is that? Two buildings, uh, six classrooms or something like that. You have a couple of open, open learning spaces. You've got a big parking lot that you, that you uh, keep strict guide on who pulls in and who doesn't and uh, cone everything off. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, everybody doesn't matter. The age treats each other with respect, which is just one of those, like when you walk in your building, you just have this this relief that comes off, and you got a sign at the front door that says uh, something about don't don't leave your phones in the car or something. I think that gets people to pay attention to to one another, um, opposed to their screen, which I think is uh, is really cool. So um, I think we covered just about all the bases. We're here in co we're we're in COVID country. I mean, you got you've been closed for three three months. Um, I'm sure that if you and I talked in February, we'd be having a much different conversation. I don't think we would have ever expected that we would have had to do distant learning for all education everywhere in the country for three months and figure it all out literally overnight. Um, but we're now starting to get into this reoccupation phase. Um, things are opening back up. You know, you're probably looking to, to, to reopen in the fall or do you, do you have some programs going on right now? Do you have, well, I guess let's go into what do you got going on right now? What does the fall look like? Do you have positions for, for students to come in? Um, you know, there are a million students in Montessori with 5,000 locations. If there is, if there isn't space for you, they can look other places, but uh, if you got spaces, I sure would want them to call you first. 
So currently we started our summer program this past week. We got licensed by the Board of Health. Um, they came in and do a, did a thorough check and clean. Um, all my teachers have been trained. We've had medical staff in here to make sure we're upgraded to the highest amount of safety as possible. Everybody's safe at this point. Um, so we have opened this past week and um, summer camp is growing strong. The kids are phenomenal. The little guys, we don't do masks with our two-year-olds, but um, our three-year-olds came in. It was so funny because the first day they kept looking at us and we're like, you have to, you just have to, unless you're in, have them set up so that they have um, hoops and spaces that are six feet apart. So they're safe. They can take off their mask unless they're outside then they can take it off because they're in open air and raving around as they stay away from each other and safety and the teachers, but in the classroom, they want to be close to each other. We have that break, that barrier, but it's just a table. So they can see each other and they can work together and be safe and take off their masks. And our little guys, you think, okay, we're all of us weren't sure how this is going to work. And they put their mask on, they saw us. And by Tuesday, it was kind of getting more and more used to it. We weren't having to say it. By yesterday, they didn't even think about it. They took their mask unless they sat in their circle. They took it off. They laughed and played. They aren't even thinking about it. Um, so it's a great startup for us. We're going to start the year early. We're planning to build in seven weeks of heaven. We hope this never happens again. We did do distant learning and work really hard on it. But I want to teach in the classroom. I want to sell my glorious little friends and work with them. Um, so we're making safety precautions. We've got precautions all through the building. I have big HEPA filters on my top of my building. We have UV lights set up to clean the air and scrub the air on a regular basis. We're doing everything we can to, to open. Um, and make sure that we are the safest environment possible and have plenty of space. I'm very lucky. I'm very gifted with we have over 7,000 square feet of space, almost 8,000 square feet of space. So we're really able to have the kids spread out. And I had already divide, taken rooms that were designed for 30 and had them down to only 20. And now we've had them again so that there's plenty of space, plenty of movement, lots of materials. The teachers have been working really hard to make special materials for every child. Um, so that they'll be able to have their own sets and learn and grow. Um, we do have some openings. Um, it's very limited. We're getting phone calls on a regular basis to fill up as fast as we can um, to get spaces in as people are learning. Unfortunately, one of the things that I learned yesterday at a director's conference is it looks like 20% of Montessori schools in Massachusetts will be closing. Um, it's a lot of money. And it's hurt a lot of schools being closed um, and having to close like this. But um, there's a lot of great ones out there. Obviously, I'd love them to call me, but I think any child, if you're not close to me, Montessori schools are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Not the right one. Um, and they've been a lifesaver for me. As somebody who was in the field, I've been in the field for a long time. <clears throat> we'll say almost as long as you've been alive. <laughs> um, Josh, so I've been doing this a long, long time. And by far, all of the educations that I've seen, Montessori is incredible for all kids. And I know that the Montessori schools are going above and beyond. Um, I know we are to make sure there's plenty of space for children safely to keep moving and keep learning and keep growing and to keep everyone safe in this time of COVID. Um, and the great releases today is it doesn't look like it's as rough on the kids as it is on the adults. So that's really fantastic information that we've been learning. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, that's great stuff. And I'm glad that you guys are, are rocking and rolling with, uh, with the summer sessions and, um, you know, it just so it's that it's, it's it's it is tuition based. It has to be funded by the parents of the of the students. You guys are obviously, um, I'm assuming you're bootstrapped, so you're you're doing this with your own. With your you're still new, so so you, so you don't have necessary. You don't have a financial aid programs or anything else. You do work through with 
you know, payment plans of how people can pay and things like that. I believe uh, like how does the, 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 you know, they've got some options, I guess, to, to discuss um, that they can talk to you about that. One of the biggest points that I'll point out, we just spent 40 or so minutes talking about how great Montessori is. And I believe in Montessori again, I was, I grew up with Montessori um, firm believer in it. One of the biggest things that people need to realize is that it needs to be a fit. I think that, that parents, we need, as parents, we need to figure out what fits for our kids, not force our kids into a fit. Um, and so this might be something for you. It might not be something for you, but there's, there's other things out there. One of the reasons why I'm doing a lot of, I'm going to hopefully have some public education institutions on here, some private, other private education institutions. This just happens to be the first one talking specifically about education. We talked about cleaning in the previous episode. Um, you know, the reason why I'm doing this is I've had, I've had so many parents that I've seen on social media or talked that are saying that they're talking about, you know, at home, you know, at home learning, or are there other options out there? Is there something else? I think this is a very pivotal time in, in education where parents are really wanting to look at what options there are, not just where they live and what they, what they assume they need to put their kids through. And I think that small school learning is an option for comfort that isn't a large institution learning or, you know, I'm hearing all sorts of things like half the school is going to go part of the week and do distance learning the other half of the week and all these different scenarios. And I, I just want to make sure that everybody hears all of them. Um, so, you know, if someone does, someone's in the Norwood area or within driving distance of the Norwood area and they want to interview to come to your school and potentially send their children how do they get a hold of you? What does that interview process look like? I think that's it's important. Um, and the last thing I want you to touch on that piece is the importance and the requirement that you put on for the parents' investment to be investment to be invested in the education institution at Norwood Montessori, their commitment that that they need to be involved in. Um, Montessori is really the it takes a village mindset. So if you're interested, you'd want to check out our website. You can give me a call. My personal number's on there as well as the school's phone number, my email. Reach out and I will schedule a visit. Now, some of the visits have changed a little bit due to this because we're not allowed parents in the building, adults in the building when there's children here. But my staff, I, we did it. We've done it a couple nights this week. We stay late. We show you the school. We show you around. You can bring your child in and meet with us and we'll talk. We plan on probably an hour an hour and a half the first meeting because I want you to go through everything I want to answer all your questions we are not a drop and go type of program um, most your Montessori's aren't you're good even if you drop your child off every day you need to be involved um, we do parent meetings there's about eight of them a year um, I send out newsletters I send out mail I probably give you more information than you want um, but to explain because we are different there's very few parents we're lucky our school nurse here was a Montessori and um, we have other family members who did have Montessori when they were young, but for the majority, most of them don't know it. So we're going to send lots of information. I'm always here. So you're going to come in, you're going to meet with us, you're going to look around the school, and we're going to take whatever time you need to answer your questions till you're fully comfortable. Because the reality is, you have one asset in life that is more important than anything else. Your homes, your jobs, and in some cases, your spouses may come and go, but the one thing that's going to be consistent that's your heart is your children. And you only have one shot to make it right and to do what is right to you. And we want to be make sure that we're the best fit for you and your family. And in that, we're going to have a lot of commitment from you because 
we're going to pick up the phone and say, hey, we need you to come and get involved in this. Um, we do events throughout the year where we ask for family involvement, families to come in and be supportive, know what we're doing, know why we're doing what we're doing. And I'm going to give you a lot of that information. We're going to talk about it. So your first time you visit with us, it's about an hour to an hour and a half. Of course, if you need more, we'll give you more. So I might leave the time open. Um, and then you decide if it's a right fit. Will you bring your child in and we're going to have the teacher work with your child? Make sure. Um, you know, three and four-year-olds, it's not as hard, but for the older children, we're going to have them visit during a school day. Um, have them walk through the ropes of what happens during the school day. Um, right now it's summer, so obviously that wouldn't work, but they could come in and see the summer program, meet with the teachers, see what's happening, because um, we want it to fit and make it sure everybody's comfortable. And if that works, then you put, you put your deposit down and your tuition, and we go from there. We have lots of gatherings, lots of things that we do. Um, and we want the family commitment. Families need to know. I know it's really hard to understand why there's no homework, why there's no testing. You need to come in with that. But we're going to share you all the information. We have a lending library that we encourage parents to borrow books. I print out articles. Um, we have a big table. I send out articles all the time of the newest research and what's important. And we stay up to date. Teachers have huge. I have my staff require between 20 and 30 hours of training every single year on top of their degrees, on top of their certifications, because we stay up to date on the greatest, the newest research, best practices, greatest responses and things that are needed for children. And, so, and then we share that with the parents. Because an educated parent, I don't know about anybody else, the greatest thing my grandmother taught me as a mom and as a parent was the fact that I don't have all the answers, but I gotta keep learning with my kids to be the best I can be. And we do that with the schools also. And we try, if I'm trying to do something, I need you to understand why I'm doing it so that we can be all on the same page. Because that's important. Well, that's great. And I will put, you're on Facebook too. They can just search for Norwood Montessori. Um, I will put all your contact information, your website in the show notes. Um, this has been really great. Uh, congratulations on, you know, weathering COVID to now. I think that you know, one of the things that everyone in every education institution, um, I've got a keynote with a, uh, a school district in Maryland next week, a virtual keynote. And the first thing that I'm going to tell the audience of, of educators is give yourselves a round of applause. Like really, like when you think about March 11th, which was one of the last days that for most, and it was the last day for some, um, when you think about March 11th, you walked into school with no mask on, you high five, hugged, and handshaked people. You talked to people without worrying about distance. You weren't uh, weren't lysoling everything that came into the building, and you were able to have a learning environment that was face to face, and literally overnight with no uh, no plan. There was no there was no plan for this. There was like like we always talk about things like you got to have a backup plan or you got to have this. There was no backup plan. There was no contingency plan if this were to happen for any education institution. This was unheard of. Like, this, this just shouldn't happen. And you guys, uh, congratulations. You've, you've weathered the first three months of, of distance learning and everything else. Great to hear that you're, you're back at it and the kids are embracing it. Because I sit here and I wonder, I don't know how my 13-year-old's going to wear a mask, let alone my two-and-a-half-year-old, because uh, he hits three this year. Um, and if this masking carries, which I think it's going to carry for a while, I think, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be a, a masked nation and a masked world for the foreseeable future. So, 
Um, congratulations on all of those things. I really appreciate you giving me your time and, and giving our friends your time and your efforts because it's, it's paying off. And, uh, I think, I think it's just fantastic. So, um, I'm going to get, I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do best, which is guiding those little friends and, uh, we'll stay in touch and, and enjoy the summer. Have a, uh, have a lot of fun and, and keep, keep learning and, uh, and doing what you do. All right. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Everyone. Thank you. And that will do it for this episode of the Be Awesome podcast. I am going to keep coming with some uh, uh, education-based focused uh, uh, episodes during the summer break to help our listeners guide the difficult waters. I'm hoping to have a, an old uh, high school friend that uh, f- works in financial aid for private institutions that have it available going to talk to some education institutions that are public and what they're doing and what they're looking to do some hopefully to give some insight because there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of non-factual stuff out there in social media take everything with a grain of salt until you listen to the experts like uh, Miss Tamiko and others what they're doing what their protocols are what the plans are what the options are one of the things we are that I'm seeing a lot of education institutions doing now across the board is they are building contingency plans on top of contingency plans on top of another contingency plan. So we are going to be more prepared than ever to get our kids back to school, or we're going to be prepared to do what we need to do to get them educated. So um, this has been a great episode. I've learned a lot. Hope you learned a lot. Um, Would love ratings, reviews, shares, um, you know, subscriptions, subscribe to their YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I got to do a better job with social media. Um, but just like many of you, I've been buried, uh, in all sorts of different directions of things to do. Um, but any, any ratings, reviews, subscriptions, likes, shares, all that stuff is always greatly appreciated. That's what gives us more visibility to more people to make a difference. So, uh, remember, uh, if you can be anything, be awesome. Have a great day.